Welcome to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast, where I've made it my mission to help beauty professionals, creative and independent entrepreneurs like you find the tools, inspiration, and motivation to unlock the abundant life you know you are meant to be living. Each week, you can expect epic guests and solo episodes sharing every tool, trick, and skill set I've learned on my own 20-year journey to grow and scale your life and business. I'm your host, Jessica Bergio, former salon owner turned beauty business mentor and crazy multi-passionate entrepreneur, here to share incredible stories and insight about how others got started and the unconventional path they took to get there. My goal is to inspire you to reach your business and life goals with confidence to achieve your dream life through creating non-negotiables and boundaries without sacrificing your personal well-being and relationships. I know firsthand how real burnout can be. So if you're ready to stop the overwhelm and get clear and focused, you're in the right place, babe. Let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Bergio, and I'm super excited to bring you this guest. We speak the same language, I feel like. And when somebody connects you, you know you are being put in the right space. And when 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 destiny calls and like the Instagram world brings two people together, you're kind of like, hey, soul sister from across the world. Um, so you guys, this is Lake and she is a boundaries coach, which you guys know how much I talk about this. And so this conversation, you want to dig in, get some, get some pen and paper because there's going to be some, I'm sure, good notes. But Lakin's story is one that's quite, quite colorful. And she's going to give us some gnarly tidbits on how she went from where she was to where she is now. Lakin, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thanks, Jess. I'm excited to be here. You know, we've been chatting back and forth on Instagram for some time. Kind <laughs> of like the mom life and the business life and all those mm. things. Like, when can we fit our time? And since you're across the other side of the pond and I'm over here, so it's 4 p.m. my time and what, 9 a.m. your time? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, Lakin moved to Australia when she was young and she experienced many life-changing events. Um, she was diagnosed with clinical depression that resulted in suicide attempts and becoming a mom at a super young age at 19. That's what time my mom had me at 19. So when I read mm. this story of you, I was like, I, as a kid growing up, having a really young mom, it was almost like we grew up together. So mm. I find such like connection with people who have young moms or who also had children at really young ages, because it's such a difference now having my daughter or my son at 30 versus the younger. So how old is, is your child now? Uh, my son's just turned 13 and my daughter's 10. Okay. So, yeah. Isn't that wild? It's like, it just happens like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think even, you know, just us starting, we're both mumming this morning, you know, you've got to pick your son up. I'm trying to get the kids out the door and I just love the flexibility of connection. And, you know, we still get to have the real life in the background. I think it's so important. So important. So you've been in the, you've been in the beauty industry for what did you say? 16 years now? Yeah. Yep. Ever since high school. Yes. And then we also connected on the level of fitness because she also owns a CrossFit gym. So you guys know how much I love my fitness, my routine, and obviously I've been in the beauty industry for 20 years too. So that's why our friend Kate had to put us together to have this conversation <laughs> and we wanted to share it with you guys. So we figured a podcast was in order. Um, so talk us through your journey of how did you first get into the beauty industry? Uh, I actually really didn't like school. I really was not focused in high school. It just was not my jam at all. So in order to kind of keep me in school, they offered me to do some, it was more just tea and tidy to begin with. And so I started inside a beauty salon and then she was incredible. Like I look back now on 
who she was as my boss. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize how many seeds were planted back then for me. And uh, she offered me to stay on and do my cert too. So a traineeship. So I got to go out of school on like two days a week. And then from there, she let me do my diploma in beauty and I quit school in grade 10. I just wasn't for me (laughs) and um, the work was. So I quit and went full-time beauty. And ever since I've always been in the industry in some way, I've definitely gone out and done other things, but it's always been the backbone of who I am for sure. I think like you, I was lucky to have a really great mentor right out of the gate too. And I think in the midst of it, like you might realize you vibe or like that person, but looking back, hearing other people's story in the industry, you realize like, wow, I had a really good, and you had like a good person training you, teaching you, like filling your head with all the things you needed to be successful in this industry. What would you say now, looking back now that you're a salon owner, you've probably brought other people up in the industry and seen how they've grown their clientele. Like, what would you say were some like fundamental foundations that she taught you in those early years? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, For me, it was definitely just my own confidence too, because I was so young at the time. I feel like even seeing a lot of women that want to come up in the industry now, there's this real, oh, but she's so young, people aren't going to connect with her. And so for me, she really built my inner muscle of confidence in being an incredible beauty therapist, despite my age. And I remember that being something that has just carried with me my whole entire life. And, um, and I see it now with girls, you know, and some of the women that are, you know, 19, 20 now, their maturity level like bypassed where I was at. And I'm like, these are natural born leaders, like they're made for this stuff. Uh, so definitely that inner muscle was a big one. And then really just creating trust, like that was a big one for me. And I think that's been the catalyst for my own salon is really cultivating a safe space for women to come to and relax and wind down and enjoy that time that they have. Yeah, that's huge. I think when you can instill confidence in someone when they're just starting out, like the ability for them to grow into that, you know, the skill set, the technical stuff, like that can come, but just being confident and trying and showing up as like who you are. Um, I remember that being a struggle and I still see a little bit in, in when I'm in the salon or when I'm going to different salons to do coaching, it's almost like what we kind of talked about before people showing up as big as they can without feeling like I had one of the girls the other day in the salon I'm coaching, she's the new assistant in there and she'd done hair for a few years prior, but we were talking about her next steps with growing there from assistant to taking clients. And, you know, we were in the back room and she goes, she like crosses her arms and kind of leans in. She goes, well, I, I, I just, I feel bad, but I, I, I actually, I'm really good at color. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean you feel bad? She's like, I, f- I feel bad. Like saying I'm really good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you being funny? Like, I thought for a second, no, like we've, cause she's, you know, like she doesn't present herself as not confident, but like, she almost didn't want to say she was good at something for fear that I would what, hold her to it. And I, you know, we had to have a like conversation around it. And I was like, no, you're allowed to say you're good at something. You're allowed to be confident in that skill set that, you know. Um, and so, you know, like you, you, you realize this industry does also need the growth and the coaching and the not handholding, but the belief that you can show up as that bigger version of yourself. So do you think having that foundation with her in the early, early stages has helped you become the coach that you are now? Totally. And it's funny because I only really recognized it last year when I was going through some of my own journey and I actually found her because we weren't even, um, she's moved countries and we just lost connection. And so I actually found her on Instagram and I sent her a really big message, just thanking her so much. Yeah. It makes me emotional. Um, 
because it was really challenging years for me. And it was like, I just had that sister and mother and boss. And she was kind of all of that for me through those times. And uh, yeah, when I was reflecting, I was like, wow, like, I don't think I ever really said how grateful I was. And, you know, 15 years on how much that still impacted me. And I do see it a lot, especially with women coming into salons, if there maybe is older women there. And so they do hold themselves back and they might have a great skill set. And they think because they're only a couple of years in or something, and someone's been a senior there for so long that they do have to minimize new ideas or speaking up or, you know, giving different, I guess, variety into the clinics and salons. And it is a shame because I just think there's always so much room for us to move and grow. So, you know, even what you were just saying there, that's just going to be something that stays with her forever, which is amazing. Mm. Well, and, and for you, probably in the moment back 15 years, you didn't realize what she was doing until mm-hmm. now looking back. It's like when you're a parent <laughs> or when mm-hmm. you're a kid and you're, you think back once you've had kids and you're like, oh, my mom was right. Or, oh, <laughs> I appreciate you so much now for saying that in the moment, your early twenties or 19, you, you don't appreciate it. But like now at 40, I'm like, oh, wow. I yeah. call my mom every once in a while. And I'm like, you know what you told me? I agree. Or like, I'm sorry. Or I appreciate like, there's man. And that's, that's the thing about growth and becoming self-aware and just like learning those things about yourself. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I think now that you talk so much about boundaries and I talk so much about boundaries, I think when we were younger, it wasn't that we didn't know what boundaries were. You just didn't know what yours were yet. It Mm -hmm. was kind of like, you have to try things on. It's like in relationships, you don't know what you need until maybe you're not getting it. And you don't know how to be a good partner until someone teaches you how, or if you weren't, if you didn't grow up seeing certain actions go on at home, um, some of that can be awkward or weird, or you can expect someone to do it to you, but you don't know how to do it back to them. It's like so much goes into that. And so I think now that there's such commonplace conversation around boundaries, it like gets me fired up, but I still run into clients not knowing how to maybe present those boundaries to current friends, to current clients, to current, even today, I had a client who she's a sponsor for somebody and that's run its course. And she was like, I don't know how to set a boundary to like, let that one go. And I know in our industry with clients, sometimes there's boundaries with certain clients that you maybe want to let go. How do you have those conversations? So um, how did you learn so much about boundaries and creating them and then teaching them to other people? Yeah. Um, I definitely grew up with very dysfunctional boundaries. Uh, I think we, like you said, we have boundaries, we're just not aware of them. And majority of the time we take great things from our parents, but most of the time we really all caregivers take on the dysfunctional patterns and that, and we carry that out. And for me, it was probably a lot more of the rigid sign and quite aggressive and angry with my boundaries. So I would let it go. And then it'd just be like a punch to the face with what I had to say. Um, You know, or there's that other side where we just go quiet and we withdraw and it's trying to find that, that balance in the middle. But the thing with boundaries is it's ever evolving. You know, it's never a one done deal. And even for myself, where I'm at right now, like my whole boundaries, needs, desires, everything that I have in my life has literally had to level up to my businesses and where I am right now. And so what I believe is it's not hard what we have to say. What we have to say is actually quite easy. You know, this doesn't work for me. This works for me. I like this. I don't like that. What it is, it's it's, it's that feeling that's driving the behavior And that feeling of guilt, discomfort, or whatever we have going on, rejection, abandonment, that's the thing that actually stops us. 
And on some level, we don't want to have to sit with that or feel that or not be seen as the nice girl or not be liked. Uh, And therefore, we really mold ourselves, dilute ourselves down, and we just don't have the backbone that we're here to have. And so just becoming aware of even what are your needs? And I know you talk so much about non-negotiables, Jess, like what are your non-negotiables? And so many of the women I work with in my coaching business, they don't even know what their needs are. They're like, I didn't even know I had needs. Like, what? (laughs) And it's, yeah. And it, and I get it because I was that person. I've been a mom since 19. So my needs were always for my children first, you know, and over time I realized, oh, this actually isn't serving my children or my partner by constantly putting them before myself. And that can sound like a really foreign conversation if you're so used to caretaking for everybody else and over-functioning for everybody else. But when I really got that and I actually decided that I need to put me first, and this is also age appropriate with children, obviously you're not going to, you know, just walk out and leave your kids, but really getting that for myself, what are my needs? And just slowly but surely starting to dial in on the inside of what they are and honoring them for myself. And that's just, yeah, like I said, it's just a process and boundaries is a language, you know, it's, yeah. And it's not like you can go, you know, teach yourself French and you're fluent the next day. It's, it's a progressional thing. That's a great analogy. I love that. And that's, that's what I run into. And I'm sure you too, in the fitness world too, it's like, there's no quick fix to getting in shape. There's no do it and then you're done. Like it's a forever progress. And as you get older, things change and get harder. And it's like, you know, you've got to work a little harder over here to maintain this physique. You got to eat a little differently in order to like feed your body what it needs. And so that's the same with your, your life as you change, like your needs will change as well. And you'll have different seasons where, you know, people grow with you or you grow apart. And that's where a lot of people, women, I find especially get stuck in those, like they just keep people around because they've invested so much time or they have such a history with somebody that they can't, they can't change their language. And I think for, you know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but as I developed this new language and how to use it, um, it confused a lot of people and it actually irritated and pissed some people off. And I don't think I'm really the person that gets talked shit to a ton. Um, but it comes in a different form of like dismissiveness or them pulling back or passive aggressiveness. So when I was first shifting into this space, I got a, I got a little bit of that pushback, especially from really close friends, part and partner. Um, they just didn't know what to do with me. You know, I, I, I've always been a little aggressive on the aggressive side, kind of like you with, like, I say it how it is, but I'm also like a people pleaser to the utmost degree and would like maybe say what I thought, but then also still do the thing, still make sure everybody else was cool, make sure everyone was included, invited all the things. And I, I realized too, um, <laughs> now that I'm saying this out loud, I remember when my mom, my mom had me at 19 and I don't know who my dad is. So we had a very interesting first several years, right? My mom was doing the best she could. She was a cocktail waitress. She busted her ass and she really made something of herself. And I remember in her early thirties. So my brothers are nine and 11 years younger than me in her early thirties. I remember asking my mom, you know, like, why don't you have any friends? She never did anything. And I remember it like it was, I couldn't tell you what I ate for lunch yesterday, but I remember this, like it was yesterday. She looked at me and she said, I don't have time for friends besides nobody's doing what I'm doing at my age. So there's nobody for me to talk to or hang out with. Yeah. They don't understand what I'm doing. My mom was in like hustle season. She had 
two small babies and then me, and then a business of her own. So, you know, looking back at the time, I was like, that didn't make any sense to me. But now at my age at 40, I'm like, that makes complete sense. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, it takes effort to have relationships in your life. You have to put effort into having like female relationships, even partnerships. And so if you're in a season where you're really trying to grind it out and you've got other people to take care of, like children, like you said, it's gotta be age appropriate at the time. She couldn't be like, see you guys later. You know, I, I did find over the years that I guess that was her way of having boundaries, but it kept her from being close to people. And I think Mm. her not having close friends pushed me to want to have a ton of friends. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost the opposite. Well, that's not going to be me, you know? And so you let things and happen that you wouldn't maybe normally allow in your life. And after a while, like when people are at a certain place, is that when they finally come to you and realize that they maybe need help around creating boundaries or how, how do people finally find it within them to say, Hey, I need help, but I didn't realize like a coach or a mentor in this capacity is what I need. Cause I feel like we're used to like talk therapy, like your traditional, I'm going to go see a therapist for my problems. But like Mm -hmm. some people don't realize like some of this stuff is a a true problem that they could specifically just talk about that. Mm. Um, I think what, you know, just from my own experience, I was a very high functioning codependent. So, you know, I have had quite dysfunctional friendships because I wanted to invest so much. And same thing, I grew up with a lot of beliefs that women couldn't be trusted or, you know, that women were just there to stab you in the back. That was very much the world in which I lived in. So having that as like a background dialogue that was just under the surface, I couldn't understand why I struggled so much with friendships. And it's really interesting because even as I've leveled up so much just since the start of last year, I can honestly say, I think I still have one friend (laughs) from the start of last year, but what that has welcomed into my space is people like yourself. You know, I have actually now got entrepreneur friends that I didn't have back then. And it is because I'm living such a different life. I already had two businesses and two children. So my time was already, you know, quite capped. And so what I realized was the friends I was holding onto was from a place of yeah, that abandonment and rejection. So over time I had to really decide. And for one of my friends, the friendship was changing and boundaries often have the myth that it's going to end the relationship, right? Or it's, it's, they're bitchy or they're this or they're that really healthy, beautiful boundaries, deep in the trust, I believe if done really beautifully, kind and loving. Um, But also it's, it's a two-way thing. So like, for example, one of my friends last year, the, the relationship was definitely shuffling. And I said, okay, what do I need? What do I need now that we've gone from talking all the time to all of a sudden I'm getting busier. She's having a reaction in her own way. How can we dance in this conversation to create a new level for ourselves? Because we get into roles with people in any types of relating. And so I said, okay, great. What do I need? How about once a month we can have a coffee, check in and just like reestablish this new connection. And, you know, something you were saying before, it often is if we're not saying it, we're acting it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like, I asked three times and it was a yes. And then nothing come of it. So then I had to take my power back and decide, is this the kind of friendship I want to keep putting energy into? Or am I actually at peace with allowing this to just be what it is? And we haven't even spoken. And that was someone that was like, I would have said one of my best friends. And then from there, even inside of that, 
I talk about the VIP area. It actually comes from a lot of Terry Cole's work. She's a boundary expert as well. And who do you allow into your VIP area? And at times that changes. So if you were to think of your, you know, you're at a concert, who's allowed into the backstage with you? Who's allowed in your immediate circle? And I got really tight and I decided that my best friend is my fiance. He is my ride or die. And as cliche as it sounds, but he's my go-to, you know, and everyone outside of that, I guess I now have my own boundaries with where they fit in my life. And each friend now brings me something completely different. Mm. And what happens is when we raise the bar for ourselves in a new way, the people that don't know us there uh, will have what I call adult tantrums. Like you said, they'll pull away. Uh, maybe they'll have a counter move. They'll throw something back at you because they actually don't know how to relate to you in that new level. And so what happens is when they're having their adult tantrum, often we will kind of want to protect the status quo and go back to where we know the relationship to be. What happens when you be a stand for where your bar is set at, over time people will either slowly meet you there or they won't. But the amazing thing is once you know yourself there, you're going to attract people that already know you at that level. So it's just like it's spoken, it's done. The communication's there. This is where I live. This is where I play at. Come play with me or not. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm like going through the friendships I have and, and the journey that it's been. It, it's yes, all the yes. And if you guys are relating to this, like let us know in the comments if you can repost and share this. If you know anybody who's like can relate to this or has gone through a big shift, because I feel like so many people have um, over the last two years with this what's been going on. Um, it's pushed a lot of people to like reassess what is most important to them and who they want to spend time with. And like, even like what they're doing for work, as far as like what that's bringing into their life, because a lot of people are waking up and realizing the season that they were in, they were just staying in it because it was comfortable. It was normal. They didn't know any different. It was good enough. Um, and we're taught so heavily to just settle into what's easy or what, you know, and it's like that whole stay in your lane type of feel it, it's almost like I don't know where I learned to feel bad for wanting more but somewhere along the line like somebody told me like to be happy with what you have or I don't know but it, I learned it somewhere and it's taken me a really long time to like undo that and then to be able to then teach it to other people that it's there is nothing wrong with wanting more in your life more success more you know abundance in whatever form it is that you want I had that call a coaching call this morning a brand new client and, and it was kind of like that same thing. Like she didn't even know she was waiting until her daughter was 18 to then do the thing or to be that person or to even speak out of her mouth, her, we call it stupid idea time and coaching. Like, what would, what would you be doing if you could do anything you want? Like she's a hairdresser too. So, you know, even just to say that sentence at the very end, it came out of her mouth and she's like, I've never said that out loud. And I'm like, why not? She's like, well, now it's real. And I'm like, there's nobody else here, you know, do, like you should post it on Instagram and make it really real though. But like, you know, it's like, a, I think it's somewhat of a female conditioned belief, but I know a lot of men struggle with it too. The like play small, like, you know, get that box job and stay in there and find the girl who's going to, you know, and you just till death do us part rather than mm -hmm. till the season ends and this isn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, having been in relationships where they needed to end and, and I stayed far too long, like, that's one of the things is, you know, I believe in marriage, but I also believe in peace and happiness. And if things aren't ebbing and flowing, like you have to be able to be who you're meant to be. And if something or someone or some place is keeping you small and not allowing you to be that, you know, 
it's really difficult to like do what we're saying and implement boundaries when people keep you like in that box. But you know, then there's the opposite or people are saying, well, nobody can make you feel a certain way or nobody can like da, 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 da. So, um, it's like a delicate dance of like learning to ask for, or say what it is that you need. So what are some, what are some ways that you can give some of our, our listeners to even bring up the conversation around boundaries? If there's something that's on their heart where they really want to share with a friend or a partner, um, something that they want to get across, like how do they mm. sit someone down and have that conversation? Yeah, I'm going to give some context here around the relationships I've come from, from where I have, because even my fiance now, we've been married, uh, we've been engaged, sorry, we've been together eight years. <laughs> we've only been engaged seven months, but we actually started extremely unhealthy, very, very unhealthy. Uh, he was very much the same kind of guy that I'd just always been with, you know, very dysfunctional. We met online and over time, we went through a lot of stuff. Like I was very unaware. He was very unaware. And through that, I made a boundary 18 months into the relationship. And I didn't actually even back then know what I was doing. I just knew that I wasn't a stand for what was going on. And so he liked to have a drink, but he couldn't control his drinking. And 18 months in, I had two small children. I decided that, hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not available for this. And I had communicated things over that time and it just wasn't landing because that's just what he'd always done. It wasn't a right or wrong thing. It just wasn't working for me. And so I made a decision that I'm not going to make you quit alcohol, but I'm not available for it anymore. I'm out. And we actually separated uh, for about two months. And the beautiful thing for me was one, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do because I've, I was so codependent. I stayed in the most unhealthy relationships, like extreme uh, DV types of relationships because I just wanted to be loved on some level. Right. And so for me, it was a real muscle. I was flexing to stand for a new way for the rest of my life. And inside of that, he got to do some real discovery work and independent of me. And that's the big thing, independent of me, he decided what sort of life he wanted and it wasn't one with alcohol. And so he went sober for five years and we got back together and we just started investing into ourselves, investing into our minds. And over that time, like whew, the level to which we operate from and how clean the background is for us. But the part I want to add is when you were saying before around, you know, the ebbs and flows and relationships and how do you start having boundaries inside of that? My brother-in-law passed away February last year and that's my partner's brother. He's one of six and he only had one brother. And so at the same time, my online coaching literally was taking off in a new way. My partner was going through grief and depression. And for me, it was a real journey of flexing my own self and my own internal muscles and own internal boundaries while having someone in the space. So what I mean by that is often I think we want our partner to make us happy. We want our partner to fill our needs, yet we don't actually even know what our own are. And so, you know, what I say a lot to the ladies is you've got to get so clear on what you're about first, get in your car, put your hands on your steering wheel, fill your own needs first, because then when you're so grounded in who you are and what you're about, and then you go to your partner or even a friend, any type of relating, um, you're not doing it from a space of lack or insecurities or, um, you know, not being able to fulfill yourself. Does that make sense? So for me, I 
noticed last year, okay, I can be at his level of grief and depression. And, you know, I was going through my own grief. He was my brother-in-law. Or I can love him for where he's at in this phase because my plans were together forever. So this is a small micro phase he's going through for the rest of our lives. And I can love him, support him, and still get on with what I'm here to do. And that was something within me that grew me because he actually didn't have the emotional capacity to help me. And he was so unavailable for it, uh, which was so understandable. But what that got to do within me was was amazing. It got to strengthen parts of me I didn't know existed. And so throughout that, you know, I often see women, I wish their partner would just get on the same growth as me. I wish you'd just get on the same page. I don't believe they're, they're meant to. Yeah, have the long-term goal, have the vision, core values. But it's my partner's unique journey. And if I was to come in and try and take him out of that, he's going to miss the growth that was made for him, right? And so he's only just literally in the last few weeks coming out of that and now seeing me show up in a new way, doing the things I want to do. And he's like, I'm so inspired. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to come out of where I've been. And he supports me so incredibly much. I think that's a big part as well. But we really, um, yeah, that that caretaking over functioning and wanting to pull our partner where we are, I just don't always think is healthy. <laughs> that was I, a long-winded answer. <laughs> no, you're good. But I, I literally had breakfast with one of my good friends on Monday, um, mm. kind of in regards to this. She's newly married and she is pregnant. They got pregnant, like literally, I think on their wedding night or maybe the day, a couple days before, I don't even know. She's not sure. But we literally sat down talking about like what she's going through with him running his business and like, you know, her feeling like they're not, they're not speaking the same language. She doesn't do the same thing. Like core values are there, family, but like all of that is there. And in a marriage, I think sometimes in any relationship, like we live in the land of like instant gratification, like it's time to change, read the book, do the things, show up different tomorrow. Okay. Good talk. Like it doesn't happen like that. Like you said about learning French in one, one day or one week, like, um, it, and that's one of those things. Like I look back on past relationships that I've been on and I think maybe because I was so eager to learn new tools that I maybe did learn them a little quicker, but then I came home and started speaking a foreign language and I expected my partner to like understand me. And when they didn't, I was like, well, then you must go. <laughs> like it just, it was, I, I was so young and I was married young. And I think there was those pressures of like, this is what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be doing it. And you can't keep up. Okay. Well then you got go Bye then. And I look back and I'm like, Oh my God. Like I didn't give him even the season of grace. Like you just said with that, because I didn't, I didn't have the tools to understand mm. what was going on. And I didn't realize that I could keep just working on myself and that maybe one day he would catch up. I mean, he was doing no harm to me in the back. Like if you look back, um, he was exactly who he was when I met. And, and, mm. and that's the thing sometimes when we don't give people the grace to catch up or friendships, the room to grow, like it doesn't always have to be the way it's always been. You can change things around. And like you said, in the very beginning, like being able to have these open, vulnerable, honest conversations with friends around, you know, maybe this isn't working so well anymore. Maybe we should try this. Like, instead of talking every day, let's go for coffee once a month. That's, you know, a little bit less codependent. And I had a best friend. I still have a best friend who we've gone through that. And I, don't talk about her much on the podcast, you know, for fear that she would hear it and be upset. But I know now that like, I can say whatever. And, um, 
you know, over the years we joked every Sunday, we would talk on the phone, have super soul Sunday conversations. And it was the one day that we talked that we wouldn't commiserate and we wouldn't talk shit about like what was going on in our lives because shit was always going fucked up in her life. And generally I had something I could add to that pot too. And that just ended up being what our conversations were about. Always we would connect mm. bullshit and that served its purpose. I mean, I think you do need a safe space to vent and to get shit out. Um, but after a while I realized I, I would, I would want to call her to like marinate and whatever that shit was. And once I kind of cut that off, I was like, Ooh, that's kind of a boundary. Like it was for me, especially not just, it wasn't anything to do with her, but it was, I call her every, t- it's almost like I go have a drink every time I'm upset. Uh, every time I'm mm. upset, I call her, or she was like my cigarette or like my glass of wine. And, you know, it was, it was interesting because she stopped drinking um, a couple of years ago and it kind of pushed us apart from hanging out, you know, in person. But that was almost a boundary where I couldn't hang out with her anymore with the way that she was drinking. So she changed on her own. And then we found new ways to connect and we still do our Sunday conversations. And our relationship looks so much different than it did when we, from 13 to now at 40 years old. But there were many times like during my growth in starting in that mastermind, learning all this new language that we had a couple screaming matches where she was like, you fucking think you know everything. Stop telling me what to do. And I was like, I don't know shit. I just read it. I'm telling you what I heard. So-and-so said that if you do this, then we can live like this. Okay. (laughs) And she was like, I don't give a fuck. Stop telling me what to do. And there was like times where I literally was like, you don't, you don't like, there's only so much like reading and learning that we can do. We now have to take everything we learn that we're calling work, doing the work, and we have to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I've learned so much with like my coaching business is people think they're doing the work by investing in courses, by reading the books, listening to the podcast, but then they don't take that and actually take action with it and implement mm. it. So like if someone's listening to this and that's kind of what I asked you before, and it's like, if someone's listening to this and they're like, frick, that's me. Like I need to start implementing boundaries. Like where do they, where do they start with having those conversations? With themselves. With themselves. Yeah. 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 You've got to start with yourself because you can't communicate something you actually don't know, or you're just being reactive. And we always repeat what we don't repair. And that has to be an inward job. An inward job. Yeah. And, you know, something I've really learned, just backtracking a little bit with what you're saying to your friend, and hopefully it's useful for your listeners, is I stopped just giving advice Mm. because at the core of it, you just want to help, right? You're like, oh my God, I live this amazing life. I've got more freedom. I've got more money. Like it's freaking amazing. I want you to have it, but people aren't ready for it. And, you know, I've gone through so much growth that I would want people in my space to get to experience that for themselves. And they just, you know, I would either give it and then a couple of weeks later, they'd come back with the same drama. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm enabling this shit now. Like what's going on here? They're not taking anything I'm saying. And so now I actually ask people for permission, including my fiance. You know, I actually say to them, do you want to know what I see? And when they say yes, then they're ready to hear it. And then you're actually giving your opinion or whatever's going on in a space that they're ready for it. But often people aren't. And, you know, me and one of my friends who's an, on, who's an online coach herself, we just have such clear boundaries around it. Like we will message and be like, hey, I really need to offload. Do you have time for me? 
That's and she'd be like, question, like to ask, like, do you have time for this? Do you have headspace for this? Can you hold this for me? Like, yes. Yeah, literally. And then we, she'll message me and she'd be like, Hey, I have a business question. Can I ask? Like, and she's probably one of the closest people in my space, but the, the respect is just so clear. And, um, and I, and I love that, but we've cultivated that. And it's because we've both come in at that level with clear boundaries. We only met last year during an online course. And from that, um, she's traveled here a few times. I've traveled there a few times, but I just ask people for permission. And to answer your question, it really is going inward first. What do I need in this relationship, whether it's intimate friendship, parents, clients, staff, uh, how can I give that to myself first? What do I need to communicate here? And sometimes, you know, I see a lot of women, they start to really flex their boundary muscle and they're like, oh my God, I've got to tell everybody I've got boundaries. This is a boundary for you. This is a boundary for you. This is a boundary for you. And sometimes it's as simple as just getting on with it and knowing within yourself, this is what I stand for moving forward and being that in your life because once you're being that your energy will speak from that space and sometimes we don't have to go and have these big conversations and these big dramas and clear it all out uh sometimes it really is as simple as knowing okay this is what works for me and this is what doesn't which is at the core of boundaries what's okay for me what's not okay for me okay perfect you just nailed it that wasn't even a trick question but that if you guys were listening you caught that it all comes back to you and what your non-negotiables are for yourself and around those non-negotiables that's where you build the boundaries and often mm-hmm. for me the boundaries don't ever even need to be spoken to the other person mm-hmm. it's a boundary within yourself that i will not put myself in a situation where that may happen i decide that that's not going to be a good environment for me so i'm just going to decline that offer to go to their house I'll send a gift, yes. or whatever that may look like. Boundaries can look so much different than people having to sit down and you telling someone how they're, they're not doing what you need. And then that's your boundary. That's usually the furthest from what should actually happen. If you're listening to what she's saying, it's literally like going inward and figuring out how do you fill those cups up on your own, those boxes, so that you don't really have the expectation that that person needs to do the thing or act a certain way towards you. Um, that was kind of hard for me because I externally, who doesn't like to blame other people? I'm like, that's way easier. I would like to judge you and I would like to blame you. I'm perfect. Mm-hmm. Like everything I do and say is not wrong. Like yep. Yep, only uh, you live in a glass box by yourself. Um, so it's, it's, it's realizing that. And I think having self-awareness, like that takes some sense of humility and grace and like having maybe your friends scream at you that you're trying to tell them all mm-hmm. the things. And I even ran into that when I started speaking about all of this stuff on social media, I had a friend who was a client also come sit in my chair one day and I put her color in and we were sitting there just chatting. And she was like, listen, um, I need to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay, she seems so serious. And she's normally like this high energy bubbly girl. And she's like, you know, I've been watching your stories and you just seem like really frustrated and like really like, like direct. And at the time I was like, oh no, really? Like, I don't, I don't want to come off like that. And she was like, yeah. And you're like, you're the stuff that you write under your, um, your pictures and your posts are like really long. I don't, I don't understand. Like nobody, you know, nobody reads that. Right. And I, I remember thinking, well, shit, I guess I must be doing it wrong. I better go watch. I better go watch what I'm doing. Like I pay attention. So I went home and I thought about it. And of course I called my best friend, right? Cause I had to talk about it. And my best friend at the time, she, you know, she gives such good advice to me on like 
because when you can see, you know somebody so well. And she said, who gives a fuck what she says? And I was like, yeah, who cares what she says? But of course I thought about it for a while. And I think I was coming from a telling place. I was trying to tell people from a loving place, like, don't do it like I did it. This is what I figured out. And, and, And there was frustration and emotion coming up that I didn't know how to channel as a way to help people versus just come at them. And I think that's definitely like a learned skill set. People are like, you know, like you, you're so natural on camera as well. Like when you're on your stories and like, I feel like I've developed my voice as well because I now know what it is I'm trying to help people with. And I think when you're trying to figure that out, you do sound kind of crazy and lost and like, you're just grasping for the straws. But then I also, in hindsight, look back at that conversation. And I was able to say to her, you don't resonate with anything I'm saying or writing because you're not my ideal client. I have to be able to show up as authentic as I need to on social media, speaking to these other beauty professionals who are struggling the way I've been struggling for the past 10 years. I'm sorry, this doesn't resonate with you anymore. Like don't watch my shit. (laughs) So I think that's another avenue people really play small is showing up as their true self on social media because they're afraid that people will judge them, will criticize them, will think that they're doing the most. So how did you kind of find your voice on social media once you went from people knowing you as a salon owner and as a gym owner to now speaking about boundaries and coaching? Mm, such a brilliant question. Like and a um, for all of our people who have pivoted into this space. Yeah. And I think uh, even, you know, when someone throws a comment, like the one you were just sharing before, like it really can be a projection of their own world. And so for me, strengthening my internal boundaries and my backbone has been the thing that I've constantly had to work on. And I often use the analogy of a gym. Like we can't walk into the gym and pick up a 50 kilo dumbbell and start flexing it. We have to start small. And then over time, you just grow more resilience to other people. And for me, I, I was born in New Zealand, but I live in quite a small town. There's only like 80,000 people here. So majority of my audience initially, and this time last year, I only had like 400 people, um, you know, had either followed me from high school and seen me a certain way. So they had a very strong context for who they thought I was. And at the beginning, well, one, I just had to get on camera and do it because I actually hated it. And I remember during the pandemic, uh, both my businesses got shut down, the salon and the gym. So I didn't really have a choice to feel self-doubt in that time because it was like, well, our income's gone. 70% of our membership had just completely stopped. I've got to do something here. And I'd already been dabbling on face-to-face coaching, but I really hadn't gone online yet and really showed up. But because I didn't have the luxury to feel it all, I just had to do it. And I just kept showing up, showing up. And I've definitely found myself at the beginning. And it's interesting because it's only lately I've really shifted who I'm speaking to. Mm. And I really noticed myself um, speaking to people that weren't my ideal client. You know, they, they very much, it was like, I was trying to please people from my older world and the older version of me. So didn't even realize I was doing it. And just in the last couple of months, I've shifted gears from boundaries to business mentoring, because I'm like, you know what? I fucking love talking about money. I love creating impact. I love helping women build their business. And inside of that, I was like, well, who am I speaking to? And straight away, and I've been navigating this massively in the past few weeks is speaking about money just brought up all these old belief systems for me because I was like, oh my God, my audience thinks it's greedy. My audience thinks you shouldn't do that. Like, And I was taking on other people's stuff 
most of it making up stories in my head, but based on the scarcity I used to live from and how I used to project my insecurities when I seen a woman owning who she was or, you know, making incredible wealth. And so for me, it's been a real um, internal dialogue switch lately of setting myself up for success rather than scarcity in, in here, <laughs> in here massively and start sharing what maybe the women, especially in this town, don't actually get to see and witness and it was so beautiful. I got a message out of the blue yesterday from a hairdressing salon, actually. And she just said, thank you. Like, thank you so much for keep showing up and showing us the way. Like, I'm just so inspired by your stuff. And I was like, my job's done for the week. Like those messages, I'm like, all right, this is, this is my ideal client. This is who I'm speaking to. And I hope that answered your question, but yeah, it's just, I've just had to learn just real inner muscle, I think, of not taking on other people's stuff as I'm growing and evolving. Like my, if you go back to when I started my own podcast, it was like pink and orange and leopard and all this stuff. And then slowly my branding's changing as I'm changing and evolving. And now it's just like slimline black with a little bit of leopard. And it, it's, and I feel like it's a reflection of me in my growth and journey as well. And so, yeah. Honestly, like, can I just show you the shoes? I, I was like, so aggressively ch- like kicking off my feet when I got home, like oh. person, I don't know what, <laughs> I, and I literally have her speaker by like, you can see, like, she's wearing a leopard jacket. If you're, if you're listening, she, I'm showing the, um, her, uh, speaker bio, but, and I'm holding up my, my, my leopard boots that I had on today for work. But I think, you know, and I literally had that conversation with myself when I was walking to my car today after work, um, around who I'm speaking to too. And I think a lot of people think they have to figure it out when they get into the online space, when they get into the coaching space. I mean, that same friend that I told you kind of called me out and said I was coming off a certain way, not short, but it was right after the pandemic. Cause that was pre-pandemic when we were still in real life. She was an in-person uh, personal trainer. So we know each other from the gym and um, her right everything was cut off we were closed and she went and drank the kool-aid invested 10k in this guy's program and started speaking the language and who do you know's content started being like eight fucking paragraphs long and i was like oh hi welcome to the club i was like (laughs) now we can we we never had a conversation about it we never because i was like how you gave your husband grace in this time right like i gave like we were still friends we still hung out um, after that, I took it, like, she said it so lovingly, like she, and, and like only a real friend, even if there was a place of judgment, even if there was a little bit of shut the fuck up in there, like she was still like, it takes balls for someone to sit you down and to like, say, Hey, like, I'm, I'm in your best interest. This is kind of how you're coming across. And probably no one else will tell you. So mm-hmm. you have to have some, like, like, that's a little bit of, I call like, she's like a loyal friend. If I ever needed anything, like that's the type of ride or die person. But like, even mm-hmm. her taking off and her, her journey of coaching, she went from developing like an online training program to, um, she ran that the whole pandemic, made a ton of money, did wonderful. And now she's a business coach. She's transitioning into business coaching. So when people start seeing you for what you've done, like, that's where it's cool to not humble brag, but to own what you've created, own the experiences you've gone through. What are you good at? What is your little, you know, uh, zone of genius that people are coming Mm. to you for? And that must have been why she transitioned into business coaching and same Mm. with you now becoming more of a business mentor, the boundary stuff's going to come up and be the core of what, like the foundation of what you teach, but like how you're packaging it and how you're like presenting what it is 
that can look so different. But I was walking to my car after work today thinking, you know, the podcast is called the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast because during the pandemic, it was the week that we were told we could work outside instead of working inside. And I was like, that's it. Fuck this. Like I'm starting the podcast. We need our voices heard. Like I had no idea the direction I wanted to take the podcast. The branding was already beauty inspires beauty. So the, the guy who was shooting for me kept saying, what's the name of the show? What's the name of the show? And I was like, I don't know, call it the beauty inspires beauty podcast. And same with the branding. Like it's, I was thinking today, should I change the name? Should I like you, and you have to be okay with like different seasons can change it all. My mentors have changed their branding over the last year or two have even changed the name of their podcast and show. So just know if you guys are sitting on the cusp of starting something of pivoting, you don't have to have the perfect logo or the perfect name or the perfect font or colors. Like if you have a message that you want to start talking about, just start talking about it because your people will resonate with you on some level. And that's how you grow community, grow trust, grow an audience. Even if you're not looking to monetize something right now, just establishing yourself as like a leader, maybe even an expert in whatever it is that you want to share, you can be one, two steps ahead of somebody and still be able to like light that path for them to come with you. And, you know, like we didn't have this verbiage to learn how to like, we maybe knew the things we knew, but you don't know what you don't know. And so what was it that how? Cause this is like personal for me. I want to learn, like, how did you transition from being the salon owner to being like, I'm going to figure out how to start this one-on-one coaching. How did that happen for you? Uh, I got a mentor. Okay. I invested in myself. Um, honestly, this time last year, I knew very little to anything about, I knew online presence. I knew omnipresence just based on having my ideal client in my salon and in our gym and having that online presence for people to look and come into your face-to-face bricks and mortar business. But getting online was just opened up a whole new world. I did not even actually know existed. And I had been working with my mentor a little bit before the pandemic in a couple of different courses and some one-on-one. And three weeks before the pandemic hit, I invested $35,000 into her. And now this is coming from someone who had a very poor money mindset. Um, I was in six-figure debt for five years ago um, after a breakup 10 years ago, I had come out of that in yeah over $100,000 debt. So for me, there was a lot of scarcity in learning to invest in myself. And the biggest investment I think I'd made at that time was like my training and maybe 6,000. And so I have no idea what it was, but something on the inside kept nudging me. I trusted her. And I always, one thing that I'm super clear in is I, if I would trade laughs with them, I'd take their opinion. Like, how can I say that again? Um, would I trade their life? you know, and for that, their opinion, but that's not coming out the way I normally say it. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. 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 Um, And so, you know, she had two children. She was so ahead of where I was. She'd been in the industry for 10 years. And so I really trusted that. And I said, yep, let's do it. I still didn't know how we were going to make it work for the whole year to pay that back. But I was like, we'll make it work. Three weeks later, lost both of our businesses. And it would have been so easy for me then and there to pull the plug. And she gave me the choice. She's like, I know where you're at. If you want to quit, let's quit. And I was like, nah, I ain't quitting. Like, let's do this. And so I, yeah, I, I was so, um, I got one-on-one with her and it's seriously been the catalyst for my growth. I started coaching. I started a podcast. I just started showing up consistently, consistently, consistently. And to be honest, I didn't even really know what an ideal client and an avatar and all that crap was back then. I was just showing up to add massive value. And I knew I had a skill set. 
And back then it was like, I'm just going to do timeline therapy. And, you know, I all of a sudden had so many clients coming in. I was like, whoa, like this is something people are needing right now. And last year was over 40 one-on-ones come through, like, and it was just crazy. And through all of that, I really got to decide what my flavor was and, you know, people that I like to work with, things that I didn't like to do. And now I get to refer people to amazing people if they need something that I don't offer. Uh, And I really got to fine tune what lights me up and, from that I've just kept investing in myself and kept investing like Dan and I together it's been over 150,000 in the last few years uh, of just constantly up leveling ourselves to the next level and already now to so in this 15 months has been incredible like I scaled to six figures quite quickly online but to get from there now to where I want to get to is like, again, a whole new level of me that I don't even know. I don't even know who she is yet. Like my systems don't match that. Um, I've been cleaning up my boundaries. So it does match that. There's been so many things in my life. When I look through the lens of who I'm being as that person, I'm like, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. This is working. This is great. And it's a whole new level of growth, whole new level of growth. That's everything. And that's one of the scariest things I think I ever did was invest in that mastermind. And it was at such a smidge of what you're talking about. And and looking back, I, when the offer was presented, when they talked about this mastermind, like I didn't even know what a mastermind was at the time. I had seen my mentor talk about this high level mastermind that he had been in. And, you know, you see people like that, you think, oh, well, that's because they're, that they're coaching. But at the time I was a hairdresser and, and I wasn't even a salon owner yet. So I didn't see how that, that would benefit me in my business. And I hadn't even had the mindset to think like, what else could I be doing? Um, Cause I was making well over six figures behind the chair, you know, and not even working full time. So I remember thinking at some point I reached in my career, I was like, okay, this is working. And I could just ride this for the next comfortable years. Yeah. I'm super comfortable. And uh, he started talking about this high level mastermind, but you had to be making half a million to be in the mastermind. And I thought, I sure hope he makes one for us regular folks. Like, yes. and sure enough, like a couple months later, he brought out Fast Foundations Mastermind, which was for early stage entrepreneurs, which he kept calling, this is for any accidental entrepreneurs. And I thought, pretty sure that's almost everybody that I know in the beauty industry. Because most people are like you, where school wasn't a good fit or there wasn't something at college that was going to get them where they wanted to be. They were a creative or they wanted to be expressive or kind of their own boss. Like, and also there was the, the crowd of us who like, you know, figured we would do this until we figured it out. That was kind of my method. I was like, I don't want to go to college yet. I'm going to get my license because in, in California, it's only one year to get your license. Whereas for you guys, I know it's a couple years. Um, so I was like, I'll put a year in and then I'll do this until I figure it out. And each year would pass and I would see, when am I going to figure it out? So I think for me in the back of my mindset, I always knew something else would come. I just didn't know what it was going to look like or how it was going to present itself. So when he brought up this mastermind, I remember being present, like I was like almost $8,000 to invest in something that I had no clue what I needed out of it. I was like, this is wild. But it was those days where I was thinking about my mom and not having those friends to have conversations with. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've never paid for college. I mean, I paid for beauty school because my mom thought it wasn't a real job or a real career. And I said, if I invest $8,000 to walk away with some really good new friends that can have high level conversations, who knows what will open up? Who knows where that network will put me? And knowing Chris and Lori Harder, I was like, they'll see that I've put skin in the game. I'll get closer to living a life like them because like they must, they invest in themselves. So this must be the first step I need to do. And I just intuitively, once I 
swipe that card. I'd had, I was like, oh, no, you know, I was like, I'm going to have FOMO if I don't do this. And so where that's taken me, like we had to get up in front of everybody that day and talk about like what we were doing there. And I had every intention of like getting fully out of the industry and doing something else. I thought I was going to show up some grand idea was going to get downloaded. And I was just going to have all the answers when I left that weekend. And, um, I remember getting in front of everybody and being like, I want to create something like this for our industry. Like we need more education on how to be better business owners, how to have like all of the things. And that's where, that's how I opened the salon. That's how I started the, like all of it. And now I work for them. And so it's like such an interesting transition. Like if you can, if you feel the nudge to invest, if you feel like there's something calling you, like take the leap and invest in a way that feels a little bit uncomfortable. Like I'm not saying, you know, mortgage your house or sell your first child. <laughs> like if there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, Angie Lee and Shalene Johnson and so many of my other female mentors talk about if you want something bad enough, you will figure out how to pay for it. Mm. I don't have the money mm -hmm. and I can't afford it should not be a reason why you don't do something. Mm. Because trust me, all you ladies that are listening, have a closet full of shit. You could fucking sell on Poshmark. You could stop going to Starbucks for six weeks. Like there's so many things. Stop getting our lashes, our nails done. Like, oh, maybe don't stop coloring your hair, but you know, there's a few things you can give up <laughs> in the interim to, to then invest in that bigger version of yourself down the road. Right. And like we were talking about earlier with seasons, sometimes that season may be where you're not going out every weekend with your girlfriends and spending 200 bucks on cocktails. You, you're not buying the dresses to go out. You stop getting your nails done. You, you drop the gym membership. Like if you want something bad enough, the excuses are only there's a, there's a runway of excuses you could come up with. Now's not the right mm -hmm. time. Too busy. You know, a mom of two, a mom of one mm -hmm. single mom, like, yeah, busy is like the, just the baseline of what I operate on. But now busy is never the answer I give when someone asks how I'm doing. Busy is not yes. a feeling. Busy is not a feeling. I'm doing amazing. Work is great. I'm nice and busy. Like you may, you know, tell your, start using the language on yourself before, you know, you got to start believing that before you can like be out with the world. So like, okay, I know we could talk forever. It's been an hour and I, I want to have you back on the podcast because <laughs> I, I think, I think I want to dive into like how you decided to be a salon owner. Do you have a few more minutes? Can we talk about how yeah, you go? I love it. Awesome. I want to tea. Yay. So that's it. I know I got my coffee. It's ice. It's like half, half the day's over, but, um, talk us through. So your journey in the industry, that's usually how I like to start the podcast, but um, there was so much good stuff. So how did you even, you told us how you got into the beauty industry. How did you develop from being her assistant, building your clientele? Like what did that journey look like? And how did you know you were ready to open your own place? Um, so great question. <laughs> and I, like I said, I dabbed in and out for quite a while. So I was in there when she sold, I moved on. Uh, she did give me an option back then to buy. And it just wasn't where I was like, I I was a bit of a mess to be honest back then in the day. So it just wasn't where my core focus was. And so during that time, I went into retail management kind of jobs and I always was doing beauty in the background, whether it was makeup, mobile tanning, there was, I was always up to something. And I started in a salon. It was so funny actually, because yesterday I realized I got uh, denied a job that I tried to go for, but because of that job, I got a job in the beauty industry again. And from that opened my salon. And we were only having this discussion yesterday because I was like, I was really upset. I didn't get that job. But then I was like, holy fuck, can we swear? <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that I got it because that opened up so many things. So I started working in a uh, salon again, 
just before I met my fiance, actually. And mm, management, you know, we don't always get the best bosses or out there things. So as a single mom, as I was then, I was, you know, financing myself and my children and all that sort of thing. I got to about a year and a half. And at the time, my partner worked away. So he worked away a lot. He did, I don't know if you have FIFO over there, fly in, fly out. So he was doing, he was doing that. And I had said to him, I've always wanted to have a salon, you know, and one day he turned up with a brand new spray tanning system and it was about $6,000 worth of Napoleon makeup. And he's like, just start something. And I was like, okay. So I started just doing makeup more and more and more. And then one day my boss, he was, he was a guy running a beauty salon. So yeah. <laughs> um, I actually walked out in my lunch break. I got to the point where I was like, you know what, this place is just exhausting me. And I walked out in my lunch break and then I started in my daughter's bedroom. I took my daughter out of her bedroom. I put my children into the same room and I just started working seven days a week around the clock. I had my dad helping me with the kids and I just started building my clientele. And then over time, I started to carve out my niche. And again, I didn't even know what the, I was doing back then. Now I look back, I'm like, oh, that's what I did. Um, and my niche was natural eyebrow restoration. Like, you know, tattooing had just started. So a lot of women wanted to grow their brows back. And I have not opened my clientele for four or five years. Like I've been completely booked out. But from like that, I've slowly reduced myself. So, you know, I created a six-figure six business from my daughter's bedroom initially. And then um, when we bought this house, we built a salon onto the front of the house so I could work from home. And, you know, the gym was very much the same. My partner worked away. One day he said, I'm over it. And I said, quit, we'll figure it out. We dropped $3,000 a week income uh, just after we bought the house. So we didn't have much to rub together. And for six months, the salon got us through while he birthed the dream owning a CrossFit. He'd never even done a PT before. Like we were insane. We were just like, I was like, we'll figure it out. And between my clientele and the people he knew in the CrossFit industry, within eight months, uh, we outgrew the shed in our backyard and we're now in a 400 square meter shed that we've been in for four or five years now. Um, but looking back, like it, we didn't even realize the risks that we took and how much self-doubt we would have overcome and all of this sort of thing. And yeah, so it's just been, that's kind of been the journey is just taking a risk and getting yourself around people that can support you inside of that. Like even with my mentor, I'm still with her. So it'll be two years in October and I've invested nearly a hundred thousand in her, but I knew because at each new level, she's been there. So she could still take me places that I couldn't see yet. And so from that, I'm like, well, you've got what I know I need. And so I'm going to keep working. The trust is here. I know she'll show me the way. And along through that, I've done programs, invested in other things to learn. Um, but yeah, I don't think I would ever not have a mentor, to be honest. I agree. And the more and more people that I meet in this space say the exact same thing, like to not be around that would, would ground you where you are. And so unless you're perfectly content with exactly where you are, and I do find, you know, when people say, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I, I kind of, I feel like that. Not everybody feels like that, but if you're in this space, if you are an entrepreneur, if that's in your blood, like you relate to that because, you know, it's, it's not so much about being bored, but it's about like needing to keep creating and see what that next mm. looks like. Um, I find, I find stories like that. I love when you took a leap of faith with almost not knowing what the risk was going to be, right? Like I'm in that position with just having sold my salon and thinking it was going to give me a different feeling 
I thought I would feel a sense of freedom and like be ready to move on and go all in. But I'm even discovering now, like there's limiting beliefs that have popped up around letting my clientele that I've worked for 20 years to build go. I'm down to one day a week, which is wild. Like it's almost non-existent, but it's still, I'm still hanging on by like tooth and nail. And that's something I need to dig into and kind of explore. And I think when things keep popping up and we keep pushing them down, that's, that's a boundary I'm not like owning for myself. And so even just Mm. talking to you now, I'm like a new plan needs to be created where I feel confident that this will lead me to whatever. But I think as women, we always want to know what's going to happen. We need to know what the plan is. We need to know strategy. We need to know everybody's in. Okay. Gang ready. Like this is what we're doing. If I think you're going with me, right? Like, (laughs) yes. Yeah. And jump by yourself and just know that like, I, I, truly believe the universe will always provide like you just said about that job you didn't get like something else was waiting for you and it took you on a whole different path that you would have never got to experience had you got that job 100 and even the pandemic you know for me on one side it was the worst thing that could have happened to us in our businesses completely for nine weeks we were shut down the other side i wouldn't be sitting on this call right now at all and i'm now in a position that ultimately we could close down both of our businesses and take life on the road or do whatever we want with it because I've been able to build such an online presence. And I'm like you, I'm down to two days a week in the salon, still makes great money. And it's been somewhat of a safety net. And there's two sides for anyone that's listening. One, me personally, as a business mentor, I don't encourage people to just quit their jobs and go onto the online space. I actually don't. I think it, you then, you're then making your offerings from scarcity. You're constantly worrying about money. Uh, and I think it's strategic to keep your job and know you're going to be in the online space for the long game. And if you're here for the long game, naturally it's going to be a byproduct that you'll be able to let go of your job over time. And so for me, I've had the salon and the gym to support me as I've been growing. And that's really allowed me to take the pressure off. And, but I'm like you, it's like, Oh my God, like these clients have been with me for years. Like, What's on the other side of this if I actually let go to the identity? Because I'm really about reinvention. And there's an identity tied up in that for me and a huge identity tied up in the gym for my partner. And it's like, oh, who do I get to evolve into without that there? Like what's Lakin without beauty identified to her? Like mm. it's kind of juicy, really juicy. I literally, I have my hands on my face if you guys are not watching this on YouTube. I literally had that, I had a client say that to me during the pandemic when we were doing some coaching no she was actually it was actually a podcast interview that i did her name was desiree she was one of my early podcasts and i remember her saying like with full conviction like during the pandemic she was like i didn't know who i was without hair she was like who am i without being a hairdresser like if this was to be taken away from me who am i and i was Mm -hmm. like I remember her saying, obviously it resonated with me. That's why I remember it right now. But at the same time, like I literally six, seven months later thought that today, like as I left the salon, who am I without being a hairdresser? Who am I without being the salon owner? And I feel like I said earlier, I thought I would feel a sense of release and like time to move on and like whatever. And instead I feel a little bit of loss. I feel a little bit Mm -hmm. of, um, almost those lower level feelings, but that's okay too. Like I, I'm, I'm realizing like, it's okay to grieve something that you're letting go of or that you're saying goodbye to. Um, It doesn't have to be a negative thing and you have to figure out ways to like work through that. So the the reinvention actually gets to be really exciting. Yes, I'm using that word because I haven't really looked at it like that. 
Yeah. And even inside relationships, like me and my partner have broken up and gotten back together a zillion times, like not literally, but inside the relationship, we've had to be willing to let go and reinvent who we are as individuals, because what I needed from him eight years ago, I do not need from him now. And so we've really had to keep reinventing who we are as an individual and as a couple. And um, that comes with every, I believe, leg of the journey, especially on the entrepreneur space. It's like time to reinvent, time to reinvent. What if I didn't lead my conversations with how I've always led them? What if I didn't lead them with, oh, I'm someone that suffered from anxiety? What if I led them from where I'm at right now? And I let that go. What does that open up for me in a new way? And I think it's really cool. I think it's super cool. And Mm. I watching you just evolve over. I mean, I, we've only been like watching each other for a few months now on social media, but even just the growth I've seen you go through, like is inspiring me to like, thank you that my game up. So it's like women like you, this is what, this is why I started the podcast selfishly was to be able to have conversations with women like you. I know, right. It's great. It's so great. Thank and you. also you see, I'm putting skin in the game. You're doing the same thing. We, we want to have conversations that challenge ourselves and each other. And it's like, at the end of the day, you know, I even pay my girlfriend to take pictures of me. And I remember my, my boyfriend the other day was like, she charges you. And I was like, yeah, I pay my best friend to do my nails. I pay another friend to do my hair. Like you, you want that exchange of energy because you want their best service and you want them to want to do that. So if there's someone in your life that you want to mentor or coach you, or that you want to reach out to and ask questions like, there are ways to pick people's brains, like ask if they have a, um, you know, entry call that you can get into or a discovery call that you can pay for. How can you exchange, you know, services so that you can learn from them, grow from them, ask them some questions, uh, maybe before investing in whatever it is that they have to see if they're a good match. Most coaches and mentors will get on a discovery call with you at no charge just to see where you're at and if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. So I look forward to watching how you evolve over the next couple of months. I'm going to, you know, stay in touch as much as I can. And I'm definitely want to have you back on the show to see where you are in a couple of months and what life looks like. Thanks, Jess. It's been great to be here. I'm looking forward to seeing your new journey too. I didn't know you'd sold up and that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's wild. Um, okay, guys, yeah. we could carry on for the rest of the day, but we'll, <laughs> we'll let you go and we'll see you guys on the next one. But we want to know your favorite takeaways. If this resonated with you, um, please take a screenshot of the episode and tag us on social media. Lakin's Instagram is Lakin Chinpoid. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Perfect. Um, Can I just, um, sorry. No, go ahead. I just want to, I just want to actually just say thank you because I'm um, even in this journey itself, you know, and I definitely related to myself as a rookie. Like I was so new to this space for such a long time. And even women that have eight, 9,000 followers like yourself, I had this background dialogue that oh my God, she wouldn't want me on her podcast. What have I, what value have I got to add? And I just think if you're listening, no matter where you're at, like just make connections with people because most people in the space are here to create impact and serve each other. And I just want to say thank you, you know, and getting to meet someone on the other side of the world and interact is, it's just beautiful. And I love what, you know, podcasts and online space and that bring together. So thanks so much for having me here. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. It's, it's, it's misconceptions like this, where you see someone's followers or you see that someone's doing something like, that is your permission to ask if you can play. That's your permission to ask if they want to hang out. Like, don't be intimidated. If somebody has something that a light that you're drawn to, like speak up, say hello, start a conversation. Like that's a perfect example. I was just thinking about how can I work with you? Like 
like never think that you don't have something to bring to the table. And we're going to touch on that for one second before I let you guys go. (laughs) Another conversation. When I invested in that mastermind and I walked into that room with all of those people that looked like they probably had it together because in order to invest in that mastermind, you were supposed to be making $50,000 in your current online business so they could help you scale. But I called Chris and I said, Hey, listen, I don't have this online business. I'm making well over that over here. Can I still get in the mastermind? And he was like, yes, of course. He's like, all I I can suggest is that you get in the room and see what these people can help you come up with. And so I walked in there feeling the smallest ever. And by the time we all introduced ourselves, I realized we're all the same. Everybody has a really hard time asking for help. Everyone thinks that everyone else knows more than they do. And just trust that once you start having conversations with people, once you put yourself around people doing the things that you are attracted to, or that the kind of conversations you want to start having, like you will find your tribe, you will find your people and it's, it's all there for you, but you have to take the initiative to say hello, to reach out, to make those connections because that's where the power is. Honestly. Yeah. It's such an important conversation. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, okay. So sure. where else do people find you? You have an Instagram, you have, you have your, your website. Uh, yep. So I have my website, my Instagram, Facebook, and then I have a podcast, Inner Power Podcast. So that's on Spotify, um, Apple, all the. So if anyone wants to say hi, DM me. I love to have a chat for sure. Perfect. Yes, definitely. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Um, and you. make sure you guys tune into her podcast as well. In Her Power is the name of her podcast. Thank you, Lakin. It was so good to chat with you. You too, Jess. Thank you. See you guys on the next one. Switching lanes all of a sudden. I'm going crazy.